Welcome to episode four of Inside Illini Football. I'm sports editor Matt Daniels here at the News Gazette. Please be joined by beat writer extraordinaire Colin Likas on this snowy, chilly, late January Monday afternoon as we record episode four. Colin, how's it going? Going well, Matt. Glad to be back talking Illinois football. We've got a complete coaching staff to talk about <laughs> for the first time and uh, a, few, a few more... Uh, more transfers as well uh the the news never stops with illinois football yeah that is true although colin it'll stop for you for a few days because you're going on a well-deserved vacation later this week where are you going going to uh going to colorado to go ski and socially distance mountain <laughs> areas i mean they they do make you uh book out actual times to be on the hill so there's not too many people out there so i think they're they're doing it pretty pretty safe out there in addition to it being outdoors as well usually this time of year colin uh colin also is our preps coordinator extraordinaire as well so he <laughs> uh he never sleeps because he's always writing uh thankfully he, he does have his laptop open right now but he's sure. not writing anything no breaking news on tweet deck right now which is good news <laughs> that might change by the end of this podcast usually at this time though when colin goes on his annual ski vacation it's right around the vermilion county basketball tournament right my memory serves me correct, yeah that's so. absolutely correct and uh hopefully we're going to be talking about uh, basketball soon high school basketball yeah anyway. colin's <laughs> been all over that uh, along with all of his uh, illinois football coverage and, and like colin said brett bielema's coaching staff is now complete they have 10 assistants on board colin fill me in on the last hires that Bielema made to, to round out his staff. Yeah, those came in back-to-back days last week. Uh, George McDonald, first off, was named the uh, wide receivers coach. He's also the assistant head coach. We spoke with him this morning. I asked him about what being assistant head coach entails, and he said he thinks Brett Bielema has some more plans for him off the field as far as working with alumni and things okay. like that. Good so, question. Yeah, so apparently that I, I, I even prefaced it by saying sorry if I'm ignorant because I didn't know <laughs> if it was like a well-known thing that if you're an assistant head coach, you uh, do this. Like I, I didn't know. But it doesn't sound like he's completely sure what exactly that'll entail, just stuff off the field. But yeah, George McDonald played for Illinois back mm-hmm. in the back in the 1990s. He was a receiver and a kick returner, pretty good at both. Also ran track, mm-hmm. uh, was pretty good at that as well. Uh, came fast. off, yeah, came off really well in his interview as all of Brett Bielema's hires have so far. Uh, just seems like he's really excited to get back. Wanted to know where some of the old food spots he used to hit as an athlete kind of moved to, mm-hmm. as obviously campus has changed a lot Quite since a he bit. was here in the 90s. The first thing he said was, man, the facilities, what a game changer. He said the Smith Center, mm-hmm. much better than anything we, we had back in the day. No offense to the stuff back in the day, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know if he was part of the uh, the bubble. He was. He okay. talked about the bubble with Bob Osmussen, who that, that, as soon as huge, Bob hopped on the Zoom. The huge dome that used yep. to go over Memorial Stadium. As soon as Bob uh, hopped on the Zoom, George McDonald went, you covered me back in the day. He knew immediately who <laughs> Bob was, which was, was great to see. I didn't see a Lauren Tate sighting, or at least not a Lauren Tate question during uh, so right. I'm sure George would have known him exactly. as well. But The man, the myth, the legend. Yeah, man. but uh, yeah, George McDonald came off great. Going to be leading a receivers group that we're going to talk a, a lot more about in this show that has gotten a lot more interesting in the last couple weeks. That is true uh, another new hire last week was kevin kane mm-hmm. who is going to coach outside linebackers and in this caught my attention just because mm-hmm. of the wording of it but he's the associate head right coach. yeah i'm gonna have so to, Colin, ask, him have to tomorrow. ask him tomorrow what what's the difference between associate head coach and, and assistant. assistant head coach <laughs> yeah i mean kevin kane just the reaction on twitter admittedly I, I i'm probably not as in the know about some things outside of the big 10 as i should be but all you got time to learn Colin. all reports are indicating kevin kane is a really good hire 
uh, somebody who's kind of on, on the up, applied for the Northern Illinois head coaching job a couple of years ago, ultimately didn't get it. Um, I think the way it was described on Twitter was he's a head coach in waiting, basically. I think Adam Rittenberg from ESPN used right, that Right, yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like you said, going to be outside linebackers coach. So Andy Boo's position's uh, slightly. He's still listed as the the, mm-hmm. the linebackers coach, but Kevin King going to have a role with the outside linebackers. And yeah, like you said, we'll see what associate head coach means. But he's been with SMU for the last little while, and their defense thrived under him. Team posted a winning record uh, in two of the three seasons mm-hmm. he was there, I believe. So, yeah, I'm curious to talk with Kevin Kane tomorrow, media availability with him, and find out a little more about uh, how he ended up at Illinois. Well, media availability later this week, too, uh, with Brett Bielma. Mm-hmm. Uh, first time in, uh, since his introductory press conference on yes. December 21st. He'll be available to the, the masses that cover Illinois football. Colin, you'll be on a plane going <laughs> to Colorado, but we'll have full coverage at com and in, in the pages of the News Gazette from Bob Osmus and then Scott Ritchie's going to help out a little bit too while you're on, on the slopes. He, yeah. He's got he's got more than enough time to to help out. Yeah, the basketball schedule I guess is kind of unfortunately allowed for that. But uh, I was kind of honestly considering trying to get Wi-Fi on the plane and see if I could jump in on the yeah, call. Don't. It would be the strangest looking don't, thing Colin. ever. Um, enjoy your enjoy your vacation. It's called a vacation <laughs> for a reason, Colin. <laughs> but uh, on the on the topic of Brett Bielema in my latest. College Football Extra, which drops every Sunday moving forward throughout the offseason. I uh, went through my notebook uh, from my interviews with uh, Brett Bielema's parents, Arnie and Marilyn, back at the end of December because I, I talked with them for 90 minutes, I believe, and there was just no way I was ever going to be able to use all that for one story, which we ran back on December 27th or mm-hmm. 28th. Um, yeah, and they gave me some great stuff, and really a lot of it was – I didn't intend for it to be this way, but a lot of the stories I, I wound up sharing in this latest uh, story were kind of like tear-jerking type stuff, like showing how humble Brett Bielema is and how much he's impacted by his family and things like that. And uh, I would suggest anybody who wants to get to know a little more about Brett Bielema off the field probably mm-hmm. give it a read because it does give some, uh, some background into just what kind of guy he is and what kind of coach Illinois is getting. Yeah, great insight from uh, from his parents that you. Who are obviously in. biased, but I mean, it's, yeah, it is what it is. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it would be different though if they talked badly about their. Son, <laughs> it would be interesting if they talked badly about him. Uh, a native son to the Illini is going to be back in the Super Bowl for the second yeah. straight year. Colin uh, Nick Allegretti uh, is going to get a lot of pub, deservedly so, in the oh, next yeah. couple weeks. Uh, the starting left guard for the Kansas City Chiefs is only in his second season with the Chiefs, the 7th round draft pick in the the 2019 draft by Kansas City and he's got a chance to go win his second Super Bowl ring in, mm-hmm. in less than 2 weeks when the Chiefs and, and the Buccaneers uh, square off in Super Bowl 55 down in Tampa and uh Algretti's an in-state kid from uh, Lincoln Way East, the last uh, Illini to be US Army All-American recruit was a uh, 3-year starter at Illinois and and a captain for his final season and uh, a guy that got the starting job at Kansas City this year with some injuries to the offensive line but is filled in and um, blocking for arguably one of the best quarterbacks in, mm-hmm. in the game and, and Patrick Mahomes and uh, good to see him have some success after some um, some down years here at Illinois during his career but uh, I'm sure he and the Allegretti family are on cloud nine as they get ready to go to Tampa in a couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, there's been plenty of uh, kids from Illinois, guys from Illinois who have come out of this program despite lean years and gone on to do big things in, in the NFL. I know we were all excited when Ted Karras was doing things with the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. 
no surprise Tom Brady, another tie to that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Nick Allegretti even got a shout-out from Tony Romo during last night's broadcast. He was lead blocking mm-hmm. for, for a rushing touchdown, which it was a great block. He pushed his guy pretty much into the back of the end zone. It was an excellent block. It's amazing how much Nick Allegretti's come on as an NFL player, and uh, I'm pretty sure, even though he won that starting job, like you said, because of some injuries, I'm pretty sure he's in good position to keep it or at least mm-hmm. get some kind of anchor role, partial yeah. role moving forward. Yeah, really uh, curious to see how that Super Bowl plays out. Another Tom Brady Super Bowl, just a slightly different ingredient. And uh, I know here in Champaign-Urbana, the Chiefs probably have a lot of backing just because Nick Allegretti's on the team. Uh, that's very true. Uh, Colin, I hope you won't be refreshing social media while you're uh, you know, on the, the slaloms or the, <laughs> the moguls or whatever. It might be dangerous. Whatever, do you're, whatever you're going to do out in skiing in, right. in Colorado. But uh, transfers. They, just, they keep happening for Brett Bielema. He's added, what, four, five since We're at uh, five now, five The transfers. latest was on fri- last Friday, Yep, Jafar Armstrong. Yep, in the uh, middle of the, the IHSA craziness <laughs> that was going on, all of a sudden I see Jafar Armstrong, tra- Notre Dame transfer. And, and that's the sound of Colin's head exploding. I, I, <laughs> I was amazed. I mean, I, I, amazed isn't the right word. I was more so just... Time to refocus. And yeah, it was two days in a row, Thursday, Friday. You get two kids back to back from teams that qualified for the college football playoff mm-hmm. who are regular college football playoff contenders. That's huge. I mean, the guys that he got before CJ Hart from North Carolina State, Chase mm-hmm. Hayden from East Carolina, formerly Arkansas, Max Rosenthal, an in state kid from Michigan State. Great gets. But I mean, when you get, you get Eddie Smith, mm-hmm. uh, defensive back from Alabama, and then you get Jafar Armstrong, a receiver from Notre Dame. I mean, I guess if you want to be cynical about it, you could say, well, obviously they weren't meant to, they weren't Mm -hmm. cut out to play at those places. But based on the stats I've seen, I don't think that's true at all. And it just shows that Brett Bielema and his staff, through some past connections, through some good recruiting, are. They're, they're, they're selling these these mm-hmm. athletes on the vision for Illinois football, and that's huge. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many more uh, Bielema and his staff can add here in this offseason. Uh, as we saw with Lovey Smith and his staff, the transfer portal was a big way to, mm-hmm. to add to the roster. Some had success, some did not. Uh, this yep. is the second Alabama transfer in the last uh, couple seasons for Illinois. Richie Pettibon uh, transferred in as a grad transfer from mm-hmm. Alabama and then uh, started on the offensive line in 2019 for yep. the Illinois team that – uh, went to the Red Box Bowl, so we'll just have to see what Eddie Smith does uh, in the secondary. And Jafar Armstrong uh, really, really helps out a, a wide receivers room that's got a lot of questions mm-hmm. uh, going in. And Armstrong too, he he showed some versatility during his three seasons at Notre Dame. Didn't really play much in 2020. No. Not really sure exactly why, but we'll we'll dive into that throughout the off season. But he. Uh, Scored seven rushing touchdowns yeah. in 2018, and and rushed the had a role as a running back too. So you think he might be a guy? I think you could see in the slot and really kind of use his versatility and athleticism to to help benefit this uh, this Illinois offense moving forward. Yeah, that'd be really interesting. And like uh, like Matt said, we'll talk a little bit more about the receivers here shortly. But I mean, if you have obviously Brandon Peters plays a role in this Illinois offense moving forward. But if you think like a guy like Jafar Armstrong who can be a pass catcher or a rusher, and then you got a guy like Isaiah Williams who could either throw the ball or run mm-hmm. it. That makes Illinois' offense very interesting, along with the guys like Chase Brown coming back, and then we're still waiting to see if Mike Epstein's going to come back as well. Um, yeah, I'm really curious to see how this Illinois offense looks. And then you got Max Rosenthal as well, who's probably not going to catch a lot of passes, but who will probably knock over a lot of people <laughs> and should be an interesting 
uh, wrinkle to that as well. And then on the defensive back side, I mean, I know linebackers kind of been the position of concern on the defense moving forward, but uh, you lose uh, you lose Nate Hobbs mm-hmm. uh, to the uh, the draft at defensive back. So Eddie Smith is somebody who could possibly come in and try to win that starting job right away. Yeah, lots uh, lots of options for uh, for Tony Peterson, uh, the new offensive coordinator at, uh, at Illinois, and Ryan Walters, uh, mm-hmm. the new defensive coordinator at Illinois too. And um, one bit of news that uh, our, our Bob Osmussen had uh, last Wednesday in, in the paper, and then we had more uh, on Brett Bielema's contract. But money, uh, money was money. approved by the uh, the UI Board of Trustees at their their virtual meeting. Last week, Brett Bielema's deal, uh, six years, mm-hmm. $26.7 million with uh, some incentives placed okay. in there on depending on uh, any type of success that he has at Illinois. And then uh, don't know salary figures for three assistant coaches yet, but mm-hmm. seven assistant coaches were uh, approved by the Board of Trustees, uh, the two coordinators. Ryan Walters is going to make $850,000, which is actually a $50,000 pay cut mm-hmm. from what he made at Missouri last season when he made 900000 but that's still a really nice salary. And then uh, Tony Peterson, the offensive coordinator, uh, making 750000 which is the same salary that Rod Smith, uh, the offensive coordinator last season for Illinois, had in the, the 2020 season. So yeah. lots of money thrown at these coaching staff, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll have to wait and see how it all plays out yeah and i i know this is obviously kind of a touchy issue for for some and the way i see it is it's not so much uh, i'll use the word problem i don't know if it's the right word i don't think it's an illinois problem this is a college football thing coaches in general make a lot of money now that's just how it is brett bielema is not going to be the highest paid coach in the big 10 uh it would take a good chunk of change to make that happen and he's going to be well paid. He's going to be well compensated. And people don't like the number. They think it's too much. And I can understand. But that's a college football problem. This is what college football coaches make now. Nick Saban's contract. I mean, obviously, that's a slightly different story because he wins a national championship every other year. <laughs> but his contract, I mean, he makes more money than almost anybody on the face of the earth at this point. Yeah, I mean, Brett like. Bielman now becomes the highest paid state employee in, in yeah. the state of Illinois, which Lovey Smith held that mantle mm-hmm. uh, previously as well. So uh, Bielman is going to make $4.2 million, uh, his first season in 2021 and uh with that a lot of uh lofty expectations oh yeah see if he can try to rebuild this uh this illinois football program yep. colin what's what's your gut telling you about mike epstein what, <laughs> what do you think he's going to decide or, or what's his kind of course of action like? i mean that's I, I i'm kind of surprised we haven't heard anything from him yet and i kind of check on his twitter from time to time see if he's going to drop anything haven't seen anything yet maybe i need to hop on instagram finally i don't know if he's on there or not but um my gut says that he comes back just because brett bielema's offenses are so known for trying to run the ball mm-hmm. And there's really no reason for him not to come back. I mean, it's not like Illinois added a – I mean, Chase Hayden. They've added Chase Hayden mm-hmm. to the running back room. But it's not like they've added so many guys that Mike Epstein should feel like he's not going to have a job mm-hmm. or not going to have a role in this offense. I mean, unless he's had conversations with Brett Bielema and the two have kind of just mutually decided it's not going to work out, which I feel like we would have heard about that mm-hmm. already. I don't I don't see any real reason for him to depart. Uh, he – had a nearly full season for mm-hmm. once last year, missed one game for reasons we don't know. But so much of his Illinois career has just been derailed by injuries. I think it would uh, really behoove him if he wants to continue playing football past college to uh, go come back to Illinois for one more season. I guess he could enter the transfer portal if he wants to go that route, but I think another year of college football would be good. 
All right, we're going to dive into the receivers room right now. Uh, wide receivers, tight ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colin, give us the lowdown on on that position group for the Illini as it's looking right now yeah. ahead of the 2021 season. So obviously the first thing we have to talk about is the guys who have left. Uh, mm-hmm. Josh Amatarbebe has been your leading receiver for the last two years. Uh, only guy to exceed 20 catches last year, uh, nearly hit 300 yards, uh, three touchdowns as well. So you got to replace that or at least try to compensate for that loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trayvon Sidney leaving. I don't know how much of a surprise it was necessarily. I mean, his Illinois career just kind of, uh, we detailed this a little bit last week, his Illinois career kind of hit the brakes before it could even begin. Five games in, suffers an injury, never gets back on the field. Um, Casey Washington was certainly an interesting announcement of a transfer, and he's already landed at Wake Forest, so that didn't take very long. Obviously, there was uh, some 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 discussions there. He's from down south originally, Texas. so I guess that makes mm-hmm. some sense. Um, so that's, I mean, that's Casey Washington was your fourth leading receiver, so Trayvon Sidney could have been your number two receiver mm-hmm. if he was healthy. So, I mean, those are three big names you got to make up for. Uh, on the positive side, you got Daniel Barker, um, who is now known for twerking during the Penn State <laughs> game more than anything, I think. Um, but at 19 catches, second on the team. He was easily the, the number two pass-catching option for Illinois all season mm-hmm. long, 19 for 268 and two touchdowns, one of those against Penn State, obviously. Yeah. Um, he, he announced via Twitter that he was coming back. I, I, I don't think he had to. I think he just <laughs> wanted to. He's not a senior. Uh, I, 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 I keep checking to make sure, like, wait, he didn't have to announce yeah. he was coming back. I think he just wanted people to know I'm with this team, which is good Good to hear. Good good to hear he's still uh, with, the, with the team. Uh, Brian Hightower and Donnie Navarro also will be important faces, but now with the addition of Jafar Armstrong, certainly this receiver room gets... Uh, a little more uh, complex, a little more depth to it. Jafar Armstrong, I mean, like you said, he was used more as a running back, mm-hmm. and maybe maybe he gets to run the ball more, but, I mean, Illinois has got a lot of guys who can run the ball already with Chase Brown and Isaiah Williams and, in theory, Mike Epstein mm-hmm. and then Chase Hayden coming in as well. So I, I would have to imagine Jafar Armstrong becomes a guy who gets looked to by Brandon Peters as a pass-catching option, and maybe he's your number one ri- wide receiver next to Daniel Barker as your number one tight end. Also got uh, Luke Ford coming back. Yes. Highly regarded uh, out of Carterville. Uh, didn't probably have the season he envisioned last year in his first one sure. with the Illini. Only a few catches uh, last season. Daniel Matatorbebe, Josh's older brother, uh, announced he's entering the transfer portal for, right. I think, his seventh season of college football I think that's next right, year. Yeah. He did have a touchdown catch last year in, in the loss against Purdue, but there are some holes that need to be filled mm-hmm. uh george mcdonald and the new receivers coach former line uh will have his work cut out for him any uh any recruits they've signed so far off the top of my head i need to go back i need to go back and look 2020 frankly, class that's a slight that was, the signing class was like uh five weeks ago that seems like five months ago <laughs> it does given it all does the, all the news because that was actually before brett bielema got hired right so you've exactly. been quite busy since then, Colin. Exactly, yep. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to go back and look a little more into that, but obviously it's... Yeah, I would say, like, I'd say just on paper, Barker, uh, he's mm-hmm. going to expand his role quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You maybe see him more in, in the slot and, and, you know, from hearing from Rod Smith last season, the improvements that Barker made in, in the run blocking uh, department were, were key for his development at all. He'd really like to see Luke Ford get more involved. Sure. In the passing game, uh, such a highly thought of recruit in the state of Illinois. He went to Georgia for his freshman season, barely played there, then entered the portal, transferred, was hoping he could play in the 2019 season. Ultimately, the NCAA denied that waiver, so he had to sit out that season and then 
Right. A lot of fanfare for him coming into 2020 and uh, just didn't really produce the, the type of season he probably wanted on the field. So um, curious to see how Tony Peterson uses the Illinois tight ends. Uh, they've definitely got some experience and some skill there. And uh, Hightower showed flashes last year in mm-hmm. his first season in Illinois after transferring from Miami. So uh, curious to see how he develops and who kind of really becomes that that number one guy, um, you know, Josh Matator Bebe has been that guy the last couple seasons and um, mm-hmm. showed really good flashes in 2019. Last year was just a weird year for everyone, oh, I, yeah. I'd say. And uh, he ended up declaring for the draft and decided not to come back for that extra year of eligibility and didn't end up playing in the, the final game against Penn State. So lots to uh, digest there in, in the receiver department and tight end department as well. Yeah, and uh, just to round that out on the uh, recruit side, uh, looking at the class of 2021 so far, Patrick Bryant out of right. Jacksonville, mm-hmm. three-star, is the lone wide receiver in that class. This class was heavily focused on the offensive line and mm-hmm. the secondary. Gotcha. Uh, at least it has been so far. All right, we're going to go to our final segment. Uh, we're going to keep up the tradition we started in episode three. Mm-hmm. We're calling this the Big Ten, yep. where we just basically do a draft. Uh, last week it was... Ten high, ten high schools in the state of Illinois mm-hmm. that Brett Bielema and his staff should pursue. Nobody has uh, emailed or called me angry <laughs> that their school wasn't included. I, one person did tweet at the, the the link on online to the podcast saying you should come to this school, but it wasn't like a, why didn't you pick my school? Okay. It was more like please come recruit our school. Fair enough. There you go. Good, good. That's fine. We <laughs> uh, we appealed to the masses. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, but this, the way we do this is it's basically just a draft. Colin and I pick five each, ten total, hence mm-hmm. the name Big Ten. <laughs> this week's uh, hard-hitting topic, in light of Super Bowl 55. The GOAT versus at the, the GOAT, allegedly. Yeah, you've got <laughs> two great quarterbacks and Patrick Mahomes and, and then Tom Brady, mm-hmm. uh, arguably one of the best players in NFL history. So, if we were to choose just one Illinois quarterback <laughs> that you'd want under center in a big-time game, that's that's the premise for this week. The, yep. the top ten Illinois quarterbacks uh, in, in our little draft here. And we're pretty much doing from the Super Bowl. Super Bowl era on to the last 55 years. Because <laughs> yeah, so. Matt and I were discussing beforehand, you go back and look at some of the stats from some of the guys before then, I, I tend to forget how quarterbacks were used back in the yeah, day. Yeah, they were more <laughs> get the ball, don't fumble it, hand it off to uh, you know J.C. Caroline or Red Grange yeah. or uh, <laughs> Buddy Young or any of the other new. Uh, they were basically told to exist. Exactly, they were the, they were the definitions of game manager. <laughs> uh, sorry, Colin, you're the beat writer. You get the first uh, first pick on the board. I've got a. Got to, I've jotted down some names, uh, yeah. but you you get the first one and to see how I have to adjust as <laughs> I, I move through this. I week. mean, this is super tough. Obviously, there's a lot of guys you could go with, and I I don't know if there's a right answer for number one there overall. Isn't. But I'm gonna go with Juice Williams to lead Ooh, off. That's, right. that's gonna go with my lead off there. Okay. Uh, right around 8,000 yards and o- almost 60 touchdowns in his career, throwing the ball, rushed for 2,500 yards and almost 20 touchdowns. I mean, when you got somebody like that who can just kind of do a little bit of everything, uh, if you need a touchdown late, 
I mean, you want a quarterback, I think, who can give you multiple options to possibly win a football game. So, right. and I mean, he beat number one Ohio State. He so did. Obviously, he's got that. Did do that. Led him to the Rose Bowl in the 2007 season, and uh, yeah, can't can't uh, can't really go wrong with that pick. So uh, he w- he would not have been my number one choice. He would have been up there in contention. Who your number one choice? Uh, I'm gonna go with the the guy that actually was the number one choice. <laughs> That's a good in, call in the 1990 <laughs> NFL draft, <laughs> and uh, and that was Jeff George. Uh, uh, only played two seasons yep. at Illinois in, in the late 1980s after transferring from Purdue. But uh, what a two seasons he had under John Makovic mm-hmm. and, and led him uh, to sustain success there. And really kind of the last period of Illinois having some some cumulative success built up through for more than 5,000 yards in only two seasons. And like I said, was the number one pick in the 1990 NFL draft by the Indianapolis Colts. The only Illini to ever achieve that uh, bit of immortality. So uh, with my number one pick, uh, give me Jeff George under center. And plus two, I mean, he had a kid, Jeff George Jr., who ended up yeah. playing quarterback at Illinois at, at, in uh, kind of the Bill Cubitt, Lovey Smith era. Led him to a couple wins. So it, it paid off for Illinois even <laughs> after he left Champaign and yeah. uh, departed for the NFL. Yeah, that's a, I, I cannot argue with that pick, certainly. <laughs> I've got, I'm have got i between two different guys for my second pick. I think I'm going to go with Kirk Kittner. No. I think I'm going right. to go with Kirk. I was between two different guys. Maybe right. you'll pick Pride, the Pride of Schomburg. Yeah, Kirk Kittner. I lived there t- for two years, so he was. He there was, you go. Yeah. Talked about a lot? No, I was like five and six. <laughs> oh, it was, okay. It was, be- <laughs> it was before he he shone for the Saxons. Gotcha. Well, led the team to a Big Ten championship in, in 2001 and uh, threw for nearly 8,500 yards and more than 60 touchdowns. So, obviously, a guy who you can be you could rely upon to get the ball to his receivers in key situations. So I'm going with him at second overall. All right. A lot of, a lot of good options still, uh, left on, on this board. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, uh, Jack Trudeau. Okay. Uh, all time leading passer in, in school history. Uh, most yards there, uh, played on some great teams in the Mike White era in the mm-hmm. mid 1980s. Um, successful NFL career as well uh, after he's, his time at uh, Illinois was done. So uh, with my number two pick, I'm going more traditional so far with the kind of the mm-hmm. drop back passers, yep. Jeff George, and but uh, I'll take Jack Trudeau with, with my number two pick. Well, I don't. Uh, I All don't, right, three more picks, Colin. Yeah, I don't mean to, I don't mean to steal uh, from what you just said there about <laughs> uh, the route you're taking because I, I think I'm going – more so that route as well with uh, Tony Eason. All right, here you uh, go. Um, only two years at Illinois, mm-hmm. but threw for 6,600 yards, <laughs> which is insane uh, to think that he, he threw for more than 3,200 yards in each of his two seasons at Illinois, obviously, getting people the ball. Yeah, I mean, when you just have a guy who can who can just gobble up yardage like that, I mean, I think that's uh, a recipe for success, especially when you need yardage in tough situations all right i feel pretty good about this next pick all i feel right. he he's kind of slipped uh you know he's, he's slipped he's kinda, down he's, our, he's our slipped <laughs> down our list so far <laughs> i think you can make the argument he could be a a top two pick sure. for for either of us but uh, i'm gonna go with nathan shieldhouse yep, absolutely um can't go wrong with the guy who set the program's all-time total offense record uh won back-to-back bowl games the only quarterback in illinois history to do so uh was kind of the face of the program for his four mm-hmm. years here and represented it the the right way and 
also had success on the field, more so in his first two years, but even in his senior season in 2013, put up ridiculous throwing numbers for a guy that was mo- known more for his scrambling ability, what he was able to do running the ball. So with uh, with my third pick, I'm going to go with Nathan Shaw. So, so far, Colin, you've got Juice Williams, who was your number one pick, Kurt Kittner, and Tony Eason as Illinois quarterbacks you would want mm-hmm. under center in uh, a big game. I've got mm-hmm. Jeff George with my number one pick, Jack Trudeau, and Nathan Schielhaus. you got two more picks, Colin. Yep. And Nathan Schielhaus should be noted. Uh, Illinois fans, really, before Brett Bielma got hired, really wanted him to be considered <laughs> for head coach. <laughs> I think that tells true. you just what kind of impact he had on this very, program. Very true. Uh, I will go, again, I'm stuck between two guys, and maybe you'll pick the other one next, but who knows. I'm going to go with Jason Verduzco. Oh, um, all right. All-America yeah. honorable mention in 92. Solid, solid pick. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, maybe I'm just really attracted to, like, high-passing guard totals. I don't know <laughs> if that's it. 75, about 7,500 passing yards in his career and 40-plus uh, 40, 40 touchdowns passing from uh, 89 to 92. Uh, I, I, I started off with Juice Williams, who also can run the ball, but mm-hmm. these last three guys I've picked are really not guys you associate with running the ball Sorry. too much, so I guess I'm just uh, just a fan of the big big pass. I'm going to continue that, that trend, mm-hmm. and, and this quarterback didn't have the – the career mm-hmm. that some of these other guys we've, we've mentioned, but we're just talking about one game sure. in particular here. I'm going to go with Dave Wilson. Okay, I like that. 1980 season was spectacular mm-hmm. for him. Yep. Threw for a still-standing single-game record, 621 yards That's against insane. Ohio State 41 years ago, which was unheard of in, in the 1980 to even think of it's a quarterback. Hard, it's hard to do it now. Quarterback still. doing, exactly. <laughs> so just one game, I know he didn't have the career – numbers that some of these other quarterbacks did but just one game uh give me dave wilson with my fourth pick all right colin last, last pick all right again stuck between i'm just stuck between <laughs> two the entire time because i just keep going down this list i don't know this is, this is an interesting one maybe it's a little controversial i don't know i'm going with westland why right. not you can't I, go wrong with i him. mean his career was certainly interesting at illinois in part because the team was going through some turmoil by the end of it and that's that's not his fault by Mm -hmm. any means so i think maybe his career is kind of overshadowed a little bit but i mean he was he was clutch and capable i mean he threw for nearly six thousand yards in his Mm -hmm. three years at illinois uh rochester native i mean he he was when he played well and even sometimes when he didn't play well he was he was beloved because he was an in-state guy who came back home to play from oklahoma state so I think he kind of uh, understands what it takes for Illinois to win and would want him under center in certain situations or in shotgun or wherever. <laughs> Former News Gazette All-State Player of the Year, too, by the way. And um, <laughs> Yeah, when he transferred from Oklahoma State after his freshman season, I had one high school football coach text me and say, Illinois is going to the Rose Bowl now because <laughs> wow. Westland's coming back. And then I had, awesome. an, I had an Illinois, uh, former Illinois assistant coach tell me one time he's going to be a first-round draft pick. Wow. And, Obviously, the, that didn't shape up. Injuries really derailed yeah. his his yeah. time at Illinois. Uh, also, coaching changes. He played for for three coaches and Tim Beckman, Bill Cubitt, and Lovey Smith. Yep. Uh, had to learn some new offensive schemes as well. Um, but yeah, when he was on his game, he was, uh, great. he was great. He could make any throw you wanted on the field, and mm-hmm. can't really argue with with that pick for your final selection. All right, I'm going to go kind of a sentimental pick for me okay. i guess that's um, nothing wrong with that in, in the sense that growing up watching illinois football the first quarterback that i remember watching i'm only 34 mm-hmm. soon to be 35 in march jason Verdusco, you already took him mm-hmm. i'm gonna go with johnny johnson okay 
right. starting quarterback in the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. Those teams were known more for their their defense and, mm-hmm. and their running styles, but. Johnny Johnson was kind of a, a dual-threat quarterback at the time, could make plays with his feet and his arm. Uh, teams didn't have the boatload of success that they probably wanted, but uh, sure. did lead him to the Liberty Bowl in the 1994 season uh, and a win against East Carolina, 30 nothing in that game. Put up respectable numbers throughout his time at Illinois and also kind of dealt with quarterback competition, uh, him and Scott Weaver in, in the mid-'90s. So for my final pick... I went with Johnny Johnson. I think uh, we, I think, those. I mean, we, the one guy who was on the fence for me was J- John Butcher. Pretty Fair much enough. the only guy I didn't really mm-hmm. pick for my immediate list. But I think we rounded up a pretty good list of 10 here. Yeah, no, I, I concur, Colin. So, uh, all right, well, you, uh, you go start packing. Uh, <laughs> no <for> time. Your, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> that's true. Go right first, <laughs> then pack, then sleep if you can. Yeah, you'll have uh, Scott Ritchie and Matt Daniels on here next week. Yeah, Scott we're going to double duty. We'll dust off Scott's football knowledge and, and I'm sure he forgot everything yeah he <laughs> might who knows but uh, thank you again colin and yep. uh, we'll be back next week for episode five of inside the line of football